Welcome along to Life Off The Stage with me, Richard Bovelzan. Now this is a very special episode, not our normal Ciroc teachers on this occasion, but somebody who you might know for something slightly different. Anyway, let's get on with it, episode six. My guest today is a taxi dancer, golfer, tennis player, plasterer, dancer, and one of the nicest people you will get to meet. You may know him slightly better for being an Olympian or a rubber chicken though. Today on Life Off The Stage is the multi-talented Mike Edwards. Welcome along, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. That was a very nice intro. That's one of the nicest intros I've ever heard. Is it? Now, we've, yeah. we've known each other a while, and, <laughs> and it's quite interesting that when I spoke to you about doing this, I was saying to you, we were on the golf course, and I was saying, you you, what questions do you want me to ask? What questions don't you want me to ask? And how many times have you been interviewed over the years? And you've come up with thousands. I have had literally thousands, probably tens of thousands of interviews over the years. I mean, uh, it's been 33 years since Calgary, and I was doing interviews before that as well, at least four or five years before that. So I have been interviewed for probably 40 years or more. Wow. And um, yeah, and I don't think there is a single question that I've never been asked. There are questions that I like to be asked, and there are questions more importantly that I do not like to be asked. So okay. uh, now I know we've had that conversation and I'll be honest with you, I haven't <laughs> made any notes about which ones you didn't want to be asked. So <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see if we get down to that point. But importantly, as I say on the beginning of all of these interviews, I have to internet stalk my guests. Okay, now for yourself, it was slightly different. Okay, but if you type in Mike Edwards, okay, then you get these four people first coming up, an English cellist, a footballer, an American footballer or a high jumper. If you type in Michael Edwards, you get a different footballer, a Liverpool footballer, sporting Ooh. director, an American actor, or a barrister. And you're wow. one of those people. Obviously, if you type in Eddie the Eagle, you get something slightly different. But, uh, yeah. but you as a person, we don't actually get that much on, online about, which I thought was fascinating. Yes, yes. In fact, the only Michael Edwards I know was, was chairman of British Leylands, and that's going back 40 years that's, or so. No, there's, there's many more. He's well down the list now. Oh, my word. He was top of my list back then. I thought, there's another Michael Edwards, but uh, no, yeah, I don't no, know. No, I don't no. meet many. No. Mind you, I don't meet many Eddie Edwards as well. There are a few. I think there's an Eddie Edwards tennis player. Yep. So, uh, but other than that, I'm not quite sure. So, uh, But of course, Eddie is my nickname rather than my real name, so. It is, yeah. yeah. Where did that come from then? I'm going to do the classic question. <laughs> yeah, that's number five in the top 100 I was questions. Going to say, have you got that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Eddie comes from Edwards. Ed uh, when I, I was born, Michael Edwards. And then when I went to infant school, all my friends at infant school used to call me Ed because of Edwards. And then Ed went to Eddie. So I've, I've always been known as Ed or Eddie. And then when I started skiing, I used Eddie Edwards rather than Michael Edwards. Uh, and I'm so glad I did because then Eagle was great for Eddie, Eddie the Eagle. Whereas Michael, what can you think about Michael? So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I kept my nickname. And um, yeah, so I, people know me as Ed or people know me as Mike. It's quite strange. When I first met you, I was like, obviously, I knew who you were and all of that. And, and it must be very strange for you being in the dancing environment, which is obviously how I know you, um, you know, for people to be looking at you and going, oh, it's him still. I don't know if you ever still feel that ever when you go to a new venue or something like that. Um, that is one of the worst questions I get asked is, you know, do I get recognized a lot or, or things like that? And, and I don't know uh, because I don't look for it. No. But people are... Um, you know, quite open and they say, oh, you look familiar. And yeah. if people ask me my name, if I'm dancing, I'll always say Michael. 
because I'm doing my own thing. This is my personal thing that I like to do as Michael, where, you know, it's not it's not my kind of work as Eddie Edwards or Eddie the Eagle. Um, so whenever I dance and they ask me my name, I always say Michael. If they already know me as Eddie or if somebody has told them that it's Eddie, then then that's fine. Um, but um, I'll always say Michael. Well, today um, is about Michael Edwards. It's yeah. not about Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Yes, and which is quite, which is, yeah, which is quite nice. But I generally do not look for, you know, whether people recognise me. I did when I was, you know, from Calgary. But then everybody, because uh, I was on the papers for, for, for months, for months, and TV uh, all over the world and stuff. And so it was, it, I didn't have to look for it because it was so obvious. Nowadays, it's not so obvious. Um, but I don't look for it, uh, and I, I certainly don't was, court it as well. I, I did think it was strange the other day. I said we we play golf together, and you know we were standing behind the first tee, and we were having a chat, and blah blah blah, whatever it was. And the chap came over to us, and I thought oh, he was just going to give us a bollocking because he was he was taking his tee shot, and then he came over and he went, "Are you Mr. Edwards?" And I was like, "I generally f I forget who you are most of the time." Yeah, that's nice. I know you was yeah. Mike Edwards. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I like. Uh, I like people just to treat me normally treat me you know if people know me as mike then that's great and and i just want to be treated just like anybody else um but it is nice when people do come over and say oh i love the film uh you know i remember what you did 33 years it was brilliant and that's nice when they do come up but i still just want to be treated just like anybody else and if i've upset somebody then tell me i've upset you or, or whatever uh you don't need to you know um put on airs and graces or, or or anything like that just treat me like any other normal person and that's what i like i always have done i always yeah. have, oh, you have you have you i know yes. one of the most i know one of the most important things to you and this is something that i'm guessing not that many people know about you okay but you have a stack next to you don't you of one of the most important companies ever Okay, now we are going to do a quick bit of advertising here, okay? <laughs> this is one of about eight stacks of cups because um, I normally use a, a refillable one. Um, but of course, because of the COVID situation, we're not allowed to take them in and they, they don't refill your cups. So I've had to use all these paper cups. So instead of just using them once and throwing them away, I keep them and I use them at home. So I don't wash up anymore because I just use my uh, my Greg's cups. But I also use them for plastering. You know, if I'm mixing up a small amount of mix, then I can use the cups to make sure I get the mix right. So, well, uh, so you were known originally as the plasterer that turned into a ski jumper. That yes. Kind of one of the things. And I don't think people realise you, you still plaster. I do, yeah, not very often, uh, and I only do it really now for friends and family. Uh, I, at the moment, I'm rebuilding a shed for my sister. My brother was supposed to do it. He promised her he would do it two years ago, and he still hasn't rebuilt the shed. So she's asked me to come over and do it. So I'm spending a week over there doing that. Uh, but yeah, I still do a bit of plastering. A friend of mine is a builder, and uh, whenever he does an extension, he usually gives me a ring and says, you know, if you've got a few days, can you come over and do some plastering for me? And, and I'm quite happy to do it. But I only do it now really for friends and family, because the worst thing with plastering was not so much doing the plastering. It was the money and trying to get the money. And some people were really bad payers and they, they would take a year or two to pay me and all that kind of thing. And, and I just think, oh, I don't want that hassle anymore. So uh, which is why I tend to do it now. I like to do it. It keeps me fit. It keeps me grounded. I'd only really do it for friends and family and uh, a few people from dancing I've done a, a bit of work for uh, you know plastering wise so it's nice. nice. Of all of the tradesmen's jobs of so being an electrician or a builder or a plumber and all of that um, a plaster is the one that I would never do. Um, we had our entire Artex ceilings in here um, yeah. right throughout the house taken down and then re-plastered and I watched yeah. those guys work for two weeks 
And dear mercy, I mean, apart from standing on a milk crate, which is obviously the standard thing that every plasterer does. It is. Um, I've got 12 of them. <laughs> yeah, that process of, of doing oh, that yeah. day yeah. after. Blimey. Yeah. Yeah, ceilings are quite, uh, you know, physical, uh, the, the process of doing a ceiling. And, and probably 90% of my work was plastering over old Artex yeah. ceilings, um, which is not nice, not nice at all. Um, but uh, yeah, luckily enough, my house, I just ripped all the ceilings down anyway, and then reboarded them and, and skimmed them. So, uh, but yeah, plastering is quite nice. I quite had a scenario in our house that... Um... That they they quoted for it and then they uh they came to actually do the job and they were expecting just to knock the tops off and then replaster over the top yeah and uh, they went to knock the tops off and it had never set so it crumbled like sand ah uh, yes the whole lot down yes and uh, i've never seen such a mess ever we had to clear every room out yeah um, yeah yeah whenever i whenever i do uh plastering over a, an old wall or ceiling that's been painted or artexed i always warn them that you know, it, it might cost you this much, but it could very easily double because once you start plastering, you know, although the plaster will stick to the paint or the artex, the moisture goes through and then it pulls it all off the wall yeah. and uh, it blisters and it looks horrible and you have to take it all off and start again. So uh, it, it's never, you know, a straightforward job with plastering uh, it, unless you rip the ceilings down, reboard them and skim them completely, you get a much nicer job as well. We well, so, never know after this, you make an influx of people saying, <laughs> I need I need a plasterer. Can you yes. come and help me out? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I don't mind having a few dancers out. You know, if I get a few free dancers out of it, then it's worth it. Well, I'm sure we can sort something out for you. So we're going to find out about Michael Edwards then. So first of all, where did you grow up and what's your family type situation? I was born and raised in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire. Uh, in St. Paul's in Cheltenham, uh, which was a very rough area back in the day. It's still, it's more studenty now. Uh, and I was a middle child and I think middle child syndrome does exist. And I think that was a huge part of why I became Eddie the Eagle and why I went into ski jumping was partly because, and mostly because of middle child syndrome, because I have an older brother. Um, he's 18 months older than me. He was the first born the golden child, he could do no wrong. And then I had a younger sister, which was the daughter that my mum had always wanted. And then there was me, poor old me in the middle. And I had to fight tooth and nail for any kind of attention. And that gave me the tremendous resilience and the tenacity and the never giving up spirit that I used when I started skiing and then went into ski jumping and managed to get to Calgary. But I think it all became, it all became because of being a middle child and having to fight for for the attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got four children myself. I'm trying to think if uh, if any of those feel in that way. So obviously, there's two of them that are theoretically in the middle. But yeah, my <laughs> middle I suppose my middle child out of the first three, yeah, probably is the most independent. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that because my um, my brother has never left Cheltenham, other than to go on a honeymoon once. I don't think he's ever left Cheltenham uh, and he's never been more than a mile away from my mum and dad. Um, whereas I, as soon as I left school, whoosh, I went off to Italy, worked there for three years and then went to America, started ski jumping and then traveled all over the world. So I've always been, you know, since I was 17, I've been away and uh, I only see my mum and dad and family, you know, for parts of the year. Um, so, yeah, I've always been very, very independent. Yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. I'm similar myself and I, I left home at 16. Um, but I, apparently, according to my sister, and she may listen to this, apparently I was 
class as the golden child a little bit <laughs> myself. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know if that is the case or not, but um, but yeah, my sister is an amazing person. She really is. Ah, oh, bless. I mean, I do love my brother, but we always fought every day. I don't think we went a single day without fighting. And of course, even if it was just a play fight, a play fight would turn into an actual fight and one of us would get hurt. Normally it would be me, but occasionally I would get one over my brother. Um, and yeah, we were always, always fighting. So, uh, but, but I do love him to bits, but, uh, but we only see each other probably twice a year. In fact, I'm seeing him this weekend because it's his birthday. So, and that's usually when I see him, I go over there on his birthday and say hello. And then I don't see him then for the rest of the year. But, um, but I, still, uh, I still love my brother and my sister, of course. Yeah, it's it's always difficult. It's certainly over the last sixteen months we've been living is you know family can be quite important, um, and seeing them can be challenging sometimes for everybody as well. So uh, yeah, yeah, everybody, every family is different. As they say, you you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. So uh, you know there are some people who you know wouldn't you know wouldn't dream of you know meeting their the rest of their family ever. But um, yeah, I still like to see my family, but um, I don't need them with me. I don't because uh, I as I, I travel all the way, travel a lot. Um, I don't feel that need to be in contact with them all the time. Sometimes I could go six months without, you know, texting or speaking to either my brother or my sister. Um, but it doesn't mean uh, that, uh, you know, I don't um, think of them. It's just that I don't need that constant, um, you know. Yeah. yeah, there are some friends, aren't there, that I've got XREF friends that when I see them, even if we haven't seen each other for four or five years, um, it, it doesn't matter. You just pick yeah. up where you left off. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they are, for me, the true friends. Yes. You don't have yes. to work hard at those ones. No, no, you can just, yeah, you meet up and it's like you've never been away and you can almost carry on talking about when you, you know, when you last met and carry on the conversation. And I, I like that. It's normal. It's natural. It's it's really nice. And yeah. so you've got brother and sister and children wise. What have you got? I've, I've got two girls. Uh, Ottilie is 17, same day as my birth, uh, my brother's birthday. Uh, so she'll be 17. And I've got Honey, who's 14 challenging ages they are challenging i hardly ever see them now but that's expected as teenagers you know i'd expect them because i was like that you know you, from sort of 13 14 being with your mum and dad was embarrassing and so uh, and because i don't um you know i they only live in the next village but i don't really see them that often uh but i'm always open for you know talking to them meeting them for coffee if they want uh and uh, you know open to messages and all that kind of stuff but um i leave it up to them if they want to contact me then then, then they do so, so yeah i have the pleasure of uh, with my son that i can message him uh and then it might take him a week to get back to me yes um, on the other hand um he's he's not a sporty type person and he messaged me the other night bless his cotton socks saying did you watch the england game as in the euro final and i'm like because he said, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't watched it yet. And I was like, you watched the football? <laughs> He's like, yeah, and I actually really quite enjoyed it. And I said, um, yeah, it's a, it, it, was a, it was a really good game and all of that. And he said, it had, I don't think I'd be that interested if it didn't have anything riding on it. And I said, yeah, I'll be honest with you, watching Burnley v Fulham doesn't quite have the same amount of passion about it. No, um, no. No, I, I don't usually watch football myself. I mean, I support Liverpool, but I couldn't tell you who plays for Liverpool. Um, and I haven't watched the Liverpool game for about two years. But 
but I did get into the England. I was really behind the England team. And I, uh, you know, especially when they played Scotland, because there's always that grudge thing about yeah. England and Scotland. And then when, of course, when we played Germany, we've always had that grudge match against Germany. Um, and I really got into the England. I was right behind it. And it was brilliant when we got to the final. And to be, it didn't matter whether we won or lost. I thought just getting to the final was just a fantastic. And, and I thought they did fantastic. And, and they're an exciting team to watch. Yeah. I think they're the most exciting England team I've seen for decades and yep. so uh, I'm really looking forward to the World Cup next year and getting right behind the England team I think they did brilliantly yeah no I think we can all be very proud of everything they did and and let's remember they didn't lose in the final I know they lost on penalties but they yes. didn't actually lose the game yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah I think they I think they did brilliantly um, I, I, I was brilliant yeah and we got so such, have, such exciting players so you have traveled all over the world Yes, mostly mostly cold winter, mostly winter snow snow countries, but I have been to a few warm ones as well. So if you had one place to live, where would it be? Or to visit, oh, I should say, not to live. Well, um just one. Just I think I would like to live in somewhere like Austria or Germany, only because I love the snow. I can go skiing, I can go ski jumping. Um, and things like that. But I, you know, I, I loved Barbados when I went to Barbados. I've been there about eight times and I love it there, but I don't like the heat too much. I, I, I don't mind a bit of heat, but uh, it, it gets too stifling. And I, I like the cold weather. I really love the cold weather. Um, New Zealand, I loved as well, because you can go skiing in the morning and sit on the beach in the afternoon, which I quite like that. that, that that's the best of both worlds, really. Yeah ski in the morning and, and beach in the afternoon. I thought that would be a perfect life. So It's a very bizarre scenario in New Zealand, isn't it? They have such variable weather in such a small they amount do. of space. Yes, I, I was there in Christchurch taking part in the ski festival. It was back in about 90, I think it was about 96, 97. And um, we had to jump out of the fourth floor window of a hotel and come down a ski jump and then off. And we were doing tricks and things. And there was a couple of thousand people in the park right by the jump and uh, you know watching and uh, yeah we were, we were doing a bit of a, a ski jump display and it was great fun and I loved New Zealand I was there for about two and a half three weeks and uh, oh I thought I could live here yeah it was lovely yeah that's very good um now just you mentioning Austria reminded me of one of the most daring things that I've done okay and one of the most daring things that I've done is they had um, a flume. We were skiing over in Austria and they had a flume in the local leisure centre. And I love flumes, okay? And you've got the normal flume where you're either laying on your front, you go forwards, you go backwards, whatever it may be. And they're great and you get some really quick ones. This was one of those flumes that you walked up an extra set of stairs and they had a person at the top and you had to walk into a cubicle. And they closed the cubicle behind you and you were stood up. Oh. And then you're standing there going what's going on and it counts down three two one but before it gets to zero the floor then just disappears and you go straight down and then whiz around and go upside down and all of that i've never never in my mind pooed myself i can't say any words worse for us than that <laughs> more in my entire life and somebody said are you going to go on it again i was like i'm okay Okay, I really am. And I know it may not be the most daring thing. I've not jumped out of planes and all of that type of stuff. But, you know, that standing there was quite exhilarating. So, as a man that has done a lot of things, what is the most daring thing that you've done then? Oh, gosh, that's probably number 12 of the top 100 sure questions. <laughs> that's all right. Um, 
Well, I guess it has to be ski jumping, really. And I've tried to find other things that I find as exciting, but nothing comes close to ski jumping. Um, you know, I've done parachuting. Uh, I've done bungee jumping off big bungee jumps and smaller bungee jumps. Uh, I've done loads of uh, things like that, the flumes, um, truck racing, car racing, all kinds of stuff. Um, but I still think ski jumping has been the most daring, really. Um, yeah, because, yeah, you know, especially the old jumps, when I was jumping 33 years ago, you could fly very high. You know, sometimes you were 30, 40 feet off the snow at, uh, so at some point in the jump. Um, and uh, that can be quite scary when you're only attached to your skis by your toes. Um, uh, but it was, it was great fun. And not many people realize that it takes a thousand times more guts to, go, to do the technique to jump a hundred meters than it is just to go off the jump. And going off the jump is scary enough, mm. but to do the technique to jump far, you know, is a, is a lot, lot scarier. And yeah. so, yeah, I think ski jumping is still the most daring thing I've done. Huh? Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, is it, if, of all the sports that there are out there, it is one of the most stupid sports. It is. It's, it is. Yeah. And thought of the th process, let's stick you at the top of a hill, make you jump off and then land. You know, yes. It's, yeah. Yes, it is. And, and it's a shame that, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, we only used to watch ski jumping on New Year's Day. They used to show the ski jumping from Garmisch Partenkirchen right. and, uh, and Ron Pickering used to be the commentator. So it was only that one day on yeah. New Year's Day that we would watch a bit of ski jumping and then, until Eurosports and Sky Sports came out. And now you can watch it, you know, at your leisure. Um, but uh, yeah, we only got to see it one day a year. But um, I was in America racing and I saw the ski jumps and thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And not realizing that, you know, uh, 22 months later, I'd go to Calgary and, uh, and actually uh, get to the big jumps and, and do, do the Olympics. But um, yeah, there was always in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, I wonder what that's like to do. But uh, I never thought I'd ever get a chance to do it. But I did. Well, you did. Well, on a very different note, OK, this may be number 10 on your list. <laughs> Okay, we will find out. So what is your favourite song at a karaoke night to do then? Oh, on a karaoke night. So where does that rank on your list, by the way, just very quickly, of questions you're often asked? Oh, no, I don't get asked. I have been asked it a few times, but it's yeah. probably outside the one, the top 100 oh, you know, okay. I'm pleased questions I've been asked. Because uh, I, I generally, although I like going to a karaoke bar and singing along with the people uh, that are singing songs. Although some people, you know, uh, feel like they're, they're, they're very professional singers and, and, and they don't want people to sing along to the song. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I like to sing along with them. But whether, you know, and I have stood up a few times. Normally when I do a karaoke, I'll sing with somebody. Right. So we'll do something like Grease. So I think one of the songs from Grease, um, yeah. because I would always sing with it with somebody else and then we can sort of sing together. Uh, so I think it's the Greece, one of the Greece songs that I would probably sing. Well, next time we're at dancing, that's it. Summer <laughs> coming on. We're going to get up there. We'll get the microphone sorted out for you. Well, of course, I have sung a few songs in my life. Uh, you know, I had Fly Eddie Fly, which reached number 50 in the British charts back in 1988. Did it? I didn't, and I, didn't even I see I, that. Yeah, and I sung a song in Finland, uh, which reached number two in the charts. Well, and I go. sung in Finnish. So... I should have called you a pop star in your intro. Then. Uh, wow. Exactly. Yeah, you missed that out. Yeah. <laughs> so outside of, obviously, we're going to get on to dancing fairly shortly. Okay. But outside of dancing, what else do you do for fun? We've discussed that we play golf as well. But what else do you yeah. do? Well, I, I try and do as much as I can, really. I like, you know, playing things like five-a-side football. Uh, but I, I've not joined a local one yet, only because I can't devote 
constant time you know every week to it so it makes it a little bit more difficult I, I love to play golf I love to dance I love to um, get out on my bike and go cycling uh, I go running I like to go to the gym sometimes um, mostly physical stuff um, you know get out and, and, and play games play sports uh, whether with people or on my own um, when you came around here for a lesson a while ago and I said that I played tennis and then I watched how you practice doing your serve. It was pretty obvious you were a very good tennis player as well. Well, I, I did play tennis years ago. When I, when I was in America ski jumping, um, when I wasn't jumping, I would go down to the tennis courts because they, they quite like their tennis in America. And, um, and I, I played regular tennis and I was playing regularly almost every day, whether it was for half an hour or for three hours. Um, I would play every day and uh, I really got into the tennis and I, I still love it. But... I was put off when I was a teenager because I wanted to learn, uh, I wanted to join one of the local tennis clubs in Cheltenham, but um, I only wanted to join during the summer because I was away in the winter skiing and, and, and doing all my skiing stuff. Um, and they wouldn't let me. They said, oh, you have to join them for the whole year. You can't just join for the summer. Um, and it really put me off. They were really snobby about it. Yeah. So I ended up just going with friends down to a, you know, a small tennis court or, you know, pay as you go at um, the municipal ones uh, in uh, Montpellier. Um, but I could only play with a few friends, whereas, you know, I would have loved to have learned, you know, and played better tennis at a tennis club. But they said, oh, no, you can't just join for six months. And, yeah. and, and I couldn't do it. So. I've got a uh, tennis lesson coming up myself next week, which uh, I'm looking <laughs> forward to because I'm I'm an OK player. I've, I've been told that I could be quite a good player if I was more consistent. So ah. um, I'm aiming to get the consistency next yeah. week, uh, not just from one lesson, of course, that would be ah. asking a lot. But uh, but yeah, there's a so local chap around here that plays. So, so uh, what's better, your forehand or your backhand? Do you play two handed or one handed or? So I definitely um, have a, a good forehand. Um, my backhand has always been terrible in regards to, well, it's not been terrible. I slice it most of the time. I have just been working literally <coughs> this Sunday when I was playing on, on my double-handed backhand, which is going much better now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my, I, I like to play tennis like chess, if I'm honest ah, with you. I'm yeah. much more, rather than blasting people off the court, I'd rather you know, move people around and that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, uh, my, my backhand was better than my forehand. My forehand was a bit unreliable, but my right. backhand was usually, and, and topspin backhand was my best shot. Uh, I could do that really, really well. Um, that was probably my most reliable uh, shot is my topspin backhand. So, uh, so I reckon yeah, I've but, got a question for you now that you've never been asked. And that was ooh. my goal. Okay, this is, on, this is the one. This is the moment. Okay, so what is your grip on your tennis racket? As in, what? How do you hold your tennis racket? Is it frying pan? Is it is it straight down? Have you been asked that question before? Yes, I have ah. been asked before on a tennis on a tennis court because oh, okay. that's the only time I'm asked, really. Um, not in an interview. But not in an interview, no. <laughs> <laughs> but on a tennis court, um, yeah. it's so if you're holding uh, the tennis racket pan. out like this. Yeah. Okay. Just Where is the racket? Is it that way? Is it flat? How is it? That way. That way, which is the yes. old way of doing it. Yes. Yeah. I'm well, yes. It's the tr well, I, I call it the traditional way of doing it. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, it used to be that it, you held it like that, which is how a few tennis players still do. Most of them hold it like that. Sorry, that way around, slightly backwards. Yeah. Um, a lot of the top tennis players actually have it completely backwards. So, if they'd hold it, it would be, you'd, and you'd try and hit it straight. 
you'll be hitting it with the back of the racket. Oh. So that's then when they turn the wrist over and then get that extra top spin, you see. All right. So that's, uh, uh, yeah. And recently, I changed my grip to go from that to that. Yeah. Um, and it's then made a difference to how more consistent uh. I am. And I picked that up from a high quality YouTube video. Right. <laughs> right. I'll get onto YouTube afterwards get onto YouTube. and give myself a lesson. Uh, yeah, I need to go and buy a tennis racket first. I've lost my tennis racket. I gave it to my girls, and I think they used it in the garden and to 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 hit things with, and they use it as a hammer. And so I need to invest in a new tennis racket, and then um, you know go and go and start playing again a bit more regularly. So well, um, what we should do then at some point is we'll have a day where we go and play golf. Yeah. Okay, we'll then have a ma game of tennis, and then I play football every Friday at the uh, at the local school. Um, oh right. Five side uh, and astroturf, and you're welcome to come along to that. Oh. Um, so we'll much. have a day of sport. We'll arrange <laughs> yes. it in the next few weeks. And then a day of rest the next day. I'll probably and be then flat not on my walking back. for three days. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's right. And not being able to dance. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be good. That'd be good. We've got a local court we play up here as well. And uh, ah. yeah, you're, that'd be a, a fun day. I'd be a knackering day. Yes. It would be a, it would yeah. be a fun day. But I found yeah. a question you've not been asked. I know. <laughs> my life is complete. <laughs> That was very specific. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very specific. Yeah, what's the position of the record? Anyway, yes, moving, right. moving swiftly on. One that you have been asked, no doubt, a number of times. Then <clears throat> is your favourite dinner guests. Of course, I'm there as well. Well, you know, that's an obvious. That we'll, we'll, goes without saying. We'll, that just we'll goes without that saying. The so present company expected for dinner guests. Who are they? They can be dead or alive. Dead or alive. Um, Churchill. Okay. I think he'd be quite interesting to talk to. Um, Thatcher, Margaret Th Maggie Thatcher, I think she'd be quite interesting to talk to. Um, oh, Jennifer Aniston. Is, she's not, you're not worried about talking to her, are you? I'm not. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, you know, a bit of close hold dancing with her. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, fourth. Oh, me, I'll be the fourth, I suppose. Oh, no, it's four guests you've got. Oh, four guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got Jennifer Aniston for her intellectual... Absolutely, capacity. yes. Um, we've yes. got Churchill and Thatcher, because, yeah, they are obviously people of history, and uh, yeah, they would have yeah. a lot of stories, that's for sure. They they would, yeah. Um, and I don't know. Um, Ingemar Stenmark, he was my childhood... Um, idol right because i used to watch ski sunday and he used to win all the world cups in slalom and giant slalom he dominated the sport and i met him uh, in rome i was doing a, a, a pro celebrity golf tournament uh, and he came along and he's such the the, the quietest and assuming guy you could ever meet and um, and i thought oh my god i just worshipped uh, I told him I worshipped you when I was a kid watching Ski Sunday every week during the winter religiously and to watch him ski was just amazing. So, yeah, I'd like to chat about uh, about skiing with uh, with Ingemar Stenmark. And they always say you should never meet your heroes because they can often disappoint. They they, they often do, apparently. Um, yeah. Yes, I've been told that a few times. And uh, yes, luckily enough, I haven't disappointed anybody, which is lovely. <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've known, you know, I've... I've you know mentioned a few times that you know we know each other and and they said oh what's he like as a person like you know as in, in your, as in your intro you know he's a really really lovely all-round person and you um, said no I'm, he's a bastard i'm, I'm sure you've never 
<laughs> I might have to bleep that bit out. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure you know you've never disappointed anybody. Um, I try not to. What's I try really not interesting to. is you are always you, and that's yes. that I find you know really interesting as well. Well, that's why it's. Um, I think it's easier for me in some respects in that I I don't. I, I don't pretend to be any anybody else. Uh, people love me for who I was at Calgary, and I was just me. And so that's what people expect, and that's what I give them. So I don't need to be anything other than who I am and, and what I am. And um, you know, most of the time, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you know, people are lovely. There are a few who said, "Oh, you shouldn't have gone to the Olympics, and you, you're not an athlete," and that's fine. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it doesn't upset me. Um, no. You know, I just have a chat to them and say, "Well, yeah, that's okay," and uh, you know, I can understand. But um, I was just doing the best I could with what I had, which wasn't much. And um, yeah, that, if that's their opinion, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you, there are always going to be the wonderful world of trolls, and absolutely, um, you know, sometimes it's best not to read the comments. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a number of things that I'm dealing with at the moment that are quite controversial, and and you read everybody's comments, and you're just like, and it's quite draining. Um, yes. So yeah, I think I'm yes. just going to make my own mind up. And yeah, somewhere. I think that's 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 probably one of the best reasons for my own happiness at the moment is that I'm not on social media and especially not on Twitter. Um, and I just I just cannot be asked to you know read these tweets or, or, or tweet anything because uh, I'm just not interested. Uh, it's uh, I'm I'm happy doing what I'm doing, and if 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 people are happy for me to do it, then that's great. If people don't like it, that's 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 their opinion. But um, I don't want to hear it, and um, you know. So, yeah, and uh, I, I think people can get so concerned about what other people are thinking and what other people are saying. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care one way or the other. So No, you're, you definitely are your own person, which hmm. uh, I've always respected about it. So, um, so we're now on to, so far we've, we've done Michael Edwards. We are going to do a very quick bit of Eddie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally two minutes there or thereabouts. Okay. okay. So, and there's <clears> one question I'm going to ask you. Okay. So I've got listed down here a number of the things that you've done over the last 33 years. Right. Okay. Oh, if you've got it off Wikipedia, they might not, they might not all be true, but you no, never these know. These ones are all true because I, oh, right, okay. I, I know they are. Okay. So I've, I've looked. Okay. So you're an Olympian. You've released a book. I, I didn't yeah. do the pop star one. Okay. You've had a film made about you. Okay. You yeah. did Let's Dance for Sports Relief, yeah. Splash, The Jump, yeah. and you were a rubber chicken in The Masked Dancer. <laughs> yes. Okay. And I knew it was you because I recognised your posture. Those legs, yes, those legs. <laughs> yes, As your you dance were, teacher, I knew exactly which one you were. Um, <laughs> okay, so which of those, if you had to repeat one of them, would you repeat? Splash. Splash. Go on, and yeah. tell me why. I loved doing Splash. Um, so explain what Splash is for those that can't remember it, because it was... It, it was a, a celebrity... Uh, reality show where celebrities were taught to springboard dive with Tom Daly and um, you were yeah you were given some training and then went into competitions and uh, yeah you do the best dives that you can do and um, I loved it um, I'd never really dived before I, I, I used to do a bit of trampolining when I was a teenager that helped a lot so I'd already done forward and backward rotations and things like that so that was okay um, but I'd never done much diving. Um, and then I never knew, I'd never seen a 10 meter board before. And to stand at the top of a 10 meter board and look down uh, was pretty scary. I've done um, that once. It scared the, li I, I literally crawled oh, yeah. to the edge. Yeah. Crawled yeah. back very quickly. That's right. And also, because you not only see the 10 meters to the water, but then the five meters to the bottom. 
bottom of the pool. So it's a long way down. Um, and and I never six foot five stature as well. That's right. That's right. And you're only wearing swimming costumes. You're only wearing bungee smugglers. And you think, oh, this could hurt. You know, and it does hurt. Even if you do a good dive, it still hurts when you hit the water at 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so uh, but I, I never dreamt that I would have been doing the kind of dives that I was doing and uh, or even diving off the 10 meter board. So I really surprised myself and surprised a lot of other people. I thought it'd be great if I could just get to the final. But to actually win the show was brilliant. And it was because of Splash they then made the film because I signed the deal to make the film 21 years ago. Okay. Um, and I never thought of, you know, after 10 years, I thought, well, the film will never be made. But then I did splash and that was the impetus then to make the film. So not only taking part in that show and doing much better than I ever thought I would and winning the show. And then, then it leading to actually making the film as well was, was just a bonus. But um, yeah, I would definitely do splash all over again. So that's all in the past mm -hmm. and in the future, you've got all the traditional, Let's call them traditional, but the, you know, the Strictly's, the celebrities, the bread and butter the, stuff, all of those types of things. Are there any that you would like to do? Any that you wouldn't do? Um, I have never refused a job ever. Um, you know, not not because I, uh, you know, that I physically didn't think I could do it or anything. I've just not been able to do them because I've been too busy. My diary has been too full. Um, but I would happily do any of those three shows: the Jungle. Uh, Dancing on Ice, Strictly, I would love to do them. Um, I think Dancing on Ice would be the most difficult because people think that because you can ski, that you can skate uh, when they're two completely different sports. Um, so to learn to skate and to dance with a partner as well, uh, I think that would be by far the most difficult and the most dangerous to do, you know, for, for hurting yourself. Um, I would love to have a go at the jungle. Um, just, I think it would be a great experience, uh, you know, being in a jungle with uh, with, with 14 or other, uh, also other celebrities, uh, some of which I may not get on with very well, but it'll be fun nonetheless. Would you have that moment? Because this is always the crucifying part, isn't it? When, you know, they turn up and you go, who is that? I, oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> I do that all the time. Because I'll just say what I think, and I turn up, and they say, "Oh, you met so and so." And oh, what do you do? Oh, I was in this, that, and the other. Because I have no idea. I don't watch much TV, so uh, and especially nowadays with all the reality shows like Gogglebox and um, you know The Only Way Is Essex, and uh, you know all those kind of things. I have no idea because I don't watch those shows. So uh, yeah, and they get all these celebrities, and I haven't got a clue who they are. No. So yeah, it's I, very I, weird. I can imagine if you did any of those, that you would do exceptionally well. Um, because I mean, for Strictly, for instance, you know, we'll move on to dancing in a second, but obviously you've got some dance experience, um, which a, a lot of them ne wouldn't necessarily have. Um, however, often it's much more difficult to correct something that's been done a long time, not yes. to the standard they want it, rather than just teaching right. them from completely flat. You know, and that's right. I said, and about, I, I said about your posture earlier about maybe you, you might on the odd occasion poke your bottom out a little bit. That's right. I can and I'm aware of that. Forward. I'm still. I'm still aware of that now when I'm dancing. I thought, oh, am I sticking my bottom out? Um, but but I also, I think I'm a I'm still a bit of a one-trick pony at the moment because I love my Ciroc and Silk. Um, and I, I would like to sort of start moving out to other types, uh, other genres, uh, you know, a bit of ballroom, maybe a bit of salsa, yeah. um, and, and just broaden my um, knowledge and experience of, of other types of dance as well. And I think that will help my Ciroc as well and because right. I can introduce those influences into into the Ciroc and Silk but I do love my Silk as well I love the you know the music and you can 
do what the music wants you to do and you can be more expressive, more musicality, because I really want to get into the musicality side. Because mm -hmm. when we when, when one of the last workshops we did about musicality and we say, you know, people just move from one side to the other. And, and I used to do that for so long. And now I'm really getting into musicality. I don't like to just keep moving one, you know, backwards and forwards. Um, I like to put more into it. And so, yeah, it, it's but it, you never stop learning, really, with dance. It's uh, I love it. No, I mean, I often say that when you very first learn to dance is that um, is that you learn moves and your move repertoire goes up and up and up. Yes. And then all of a sudden you think, what's that noise in the background? And then you find out that's the music. And then you think, oh, I must put some musicality in. And what happens as soon as you start to put some musicality in, your move repertoire drops like yes. a stone. And mm. then you get better and better at musicality. And then eventually you bring your move repertoire into it. And that's when you become the ultimate dancer that's the theory ah. anyway it just takes yes. 20 years to get there um yes <laughs> it takes, it definitely take a while um <laughs> but yeah doing the musicality is for me everything um yes that's you know having the connection to the music is is what it's all about um, yes so so when did you start dancing and how long have you been dancing for then I started Ciroc well actually I did a bit of dancing when I was a teenager uh me what and a neighbor Hmm? What type of dancing? It was disco dancing okay. and it was real, you know, um, what was that? Saturday Night Fever yeah, type yeah. stuff. <laughs> sort of doing this. For the, um, the tape, Mike has just been demonstrating <laughs> some Saturday Night Dancing. <laughs> so we, we went to a couple of lessons of disco dancing, which was great fun. Um, but then I didn't start dancing until about 20 years ago. And I, I just retired from ski jumping. I, I went for the 98 Olympics. And although I, I'd reached a qualification, the British Ski Federation refused to send me to Nagano um, in 1998. So then I retired uh, at the beginning of 98. And I went back to live at home in Charlton with my mum and dad while I decided what I was going to do. And then I, um, I decided to um, go back into education and do, um, you know, GCSEs, A-level and then do a law degree. But I was going to the gym and uh, one of the ladies in the reception said, oh, you should come dancing. Um, and I came along to Cheltenham at the pump rooms and um, went to Ciroc there. And it was amazing. There was like three, four hundred people in the room, uh, all in lines and they were dancing away. And um, and it was brilliant. But I did struggle at the beginning because, you know, men lead or traditionally uh, men lead. Um, and of course, you only learn three or four moves in that beginner's lesson. And then I, I thought, oh, and, and I was also very shy about asking a woman to dance. Yeah. Um, but the taxi dancers were great and they would grab me, grab me on the dance floor and I would learn those moves. But it wasn't until I started going twice a week. Then I really started to remember moves because, you know, leaving it one week after another, it was it was really difficult because I couldn't remember what I did the week before. Yeah. But when I started going twice a week, that made a huge difference. And, uh, and then I, and I got better and better, learned more and more moves. And, and then I did it for about three years. And then I met my wife, got married, had kids, stopped dancing for about 11 to 13 years. And then when we separated about five years ago, I thought, oh, I want to go back dancing again. So I've been dancing again now for about four, four or five years. So about eight years, but over 20 years. Yeah. So, and we've had many dancers together. And um, again, for the benefit of the tape, Mike's a very good dancer. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. I never consider myself to be a good dancer at all. Um, do people do say I am, but I don't think I am. Well, I'll hopefully give you a fairly qualified opinion, I suppose, as a, as a dance teacher in regards to there's two types of dancing. There is how it looks and how it feels. 
Um, now, we may have mentioned your bottom on a couple of occasions, um, but the feeling when we dance with you is incredibly smooth. Um, ah. So, yeah, you manage to transfer your body weight incredibly well, and therefore, from a follow's perspective, it feels like a great dance. Oh, um, good. Oh, that's, and uh, I, think, I think my... my life as an as an athlete um be a skier and a ski jumper we're always either you know training a lot but i also look at body mechanics and body awareness balance and that comes into a lot when you're dancing so when you when you do a move i i know instinctively what i need to do because i'm fully aware of my body shape and things other than my bottom sticking out um it, it, i think I think being an ex-athlete uh, has met, has helped a lot because I can pick up moves very, very quickly. Yeah, um, I had the same regarding my golf lessons that I had in regards to uh, my, my pro turned around and said, do this. And obviously being a dance, professional dancer myself, yeah. you, you know how to move your body and control yeah. it. And yes. he went, oh, you, you can do that straight away. And you're like, well, yeah, you yeah. need to do that. And, and mm. he said, it, obviously, being a dancer helps on that aspect. But uh, yeah, it all kind of crosses over, doesn't it? Which it does. Quickly, for instance, the athletes are often very good because they've got the determination and yes. the aptitude to actually do it properly. Yes, um, yes. And, and well. I used to be a ski instructor as well. So, you know, when I saw other people who were horse riders or rugby players or any sports people, they would pick things up very, very quickly because they had that, yeah, the determination, but also the balance, the, the body awareness and, and everything else. And they knew where their body shape was and where it had to be. Um, and they just need to be taught um, you know, the basics and off, off they went. So, yeah, they, they do pick it up very, very quickly. It's a good transformation from one yeah. sport to another. So what's been quite interesting, obviously, so far, I've mainly been doing Ciroc teachers and DJs. And I've asked them what they feel a good, what makes a good Ciroc teacher. So I'm going to ask you from the taxi dancer floor perspective, what do you feel makes a great Ciroc teacher? Um, I love the what they call the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, so the I think what makes a good uh, any teacher, whatever, whatever, whether it's dance or sport, is you know very simple um, instruction, very clear instruction, but also fun, making it fun. Um, and I think that balance of both uh, is great because you want to be entertained but you're also learning something as well and when you're when you're laughing while you're learning and having fun while you're learning um, it, it sinks in better and it stays in better and um, so yeah I think that makes a, a good uh, dance teacher so clear precise but fun too. Yeah I think um, I think that absolutely nails it on the head I certainly mm -hmm. try and teach as technically correct as I can yes. whilst making yes. it as much fun as I can. Yes. Um, so uh, it's nice to hear that uh, I, I try and do what you're doing, whether I do it or not. Yes, no, question, no, you, but, no, uh, no, you do, you do very well, actually. Uh, very good teacher. Yes. Uh, I, I always love doing it. So, um, so yeah. Well, I always love coming to the workshops. So, uh, yeah. Well, hopefully, this is being recorded in July 2021. So hopefully it uh, will be opening back up next week is the plan. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I do get very worried, though, when I dance with Zoe. I mean, uh, I just I just shake all over when I'm dancing with Zoe because I'm thinking, oh, my God, she's so good. Oh, what if I step on her toe? Oh. <laughs> if it helps, I sometimes feel the same way myself when I dance with her. <laughs> she's my wife. Um, yeah, do you know, we had a really good um, dance session last Friday in our studio. And uh, there's for those that don't know, we've converted a garage to be a little dance studio. And we've got two pictures in there of us competing in 2009 and 2010. And, um, and yeah, one of the pictures is where we're in a, a very deep seducer. Um, and it was actually a move that went wrong. 
Um, Zoe lost balance and I managed to catch her effectively and they took a picture and it's a, it's a great picture. Yeah. And we tried to recreate it the other day and it was quite <laughs> challenging to recreate. Um, you know, I'm, it was just all, all awkward, but uh, yeah. we did manage to create it, but we didn't have quite the same sultry look on our face <laughs> as we're doing it. <laughs> but I, I like, um, I, if, I've, if I've learned to move, but it doesn't seem to go well when I'm dancing with other ladies, I'll always go to Zoe and say, can I just try this move out? And then she does it perfectly. She does what I want uh, to do when I want her to do it. And because I, I, I think, well, is it me or is it the lady I'm dancing with? But when I dance with Zoe, oh, she said, no, it's not you, it's them. And I think, oh, thankful for that. So, uh, so I always like to it? dance with Zoe just to get make sure that I'm doing the move correctly on my end. So that, um, yeah. Oh, she'll like she'll like to hear that. It's, yeah. um, even somebody like Zoe, who, by the way, and I'm going to put it live on this podcast now, has said she will come on interview with me as well. Oh, I know. That's going to be challenging for them. That is going to be worth watching. <laughs> I know. And hopefully it'll be coming up in the not too distant future. But uh, yeah, she has to do it now because I've said it live. Um, is that, uh, yeah, quite, you know, we used to have that phrase of if it goes wrong, whose fault is it? And everybody used to scream yes. out, it's the man's fault because he's the leader. And all yeah, that. I always thought that too. Yeah. And we used yeah. to scream out loud. And then we wondered why we were always 30 women over. Because all the men yeah. are going, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing and you're blaming me for it. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, it's a. I always say it's a partner dance mm. where everybody's responsible for their part. Yes. So yeah. Yes. So regarding, yeah. you've said about Silk, which is the chill out music, which is the slower end of things, which is about 100 beats per minute. Um, if you had a choice of 100 beats per minute, 120 or 140 beats per minute, what would you choose to dance to? Uh, probably 100, because I do like the slower. I like the Silk. I can put more musicality into it. Um, so yeah, I think the faster the beat, um, I'm more conscious of doing the move correctly, doing it smoothly to make sure that my dance partner is enjoying the dance as well. Um, but it's a little bit more harder to put in a bit more musicality into it. So uh, yeah, so I, I much prefer 100 beats a minute. Although, you know, I can listen to a song because uh, I, I, I spoken to John Baker about it and uh, he's quite a good DJ and he says, well, and he played one, song that was 100 beats but it still sounded really quick and then he played another one but it sounded really really slow so he said that it's not always just the beat um so it was really interesting but generally yes i prefer to dance to 100 beats i think yeah you've got different songs that have got different rhythms in them as well yes so for instance shape of you by ed sheeran um it's got mm. more of a salsa beat to it so although it is actually only 100 beats per minute there or thereabouts um it can actually feel sometimes quite a quick song yes um, yes i find that quite difficult that song quite difficult because sometimes i think well shall i dance to the beat but the beat is quite slow mm -hmm. but then when i dance to the, the the rhythm and the the melody it's a really quick song yeah um but sometimes i just prefer that bit of quickness rather than yeah the beat is a bit too especially when the music's going fast and you're sort of dancing slow to it it doesn't kind of look like so then i i switch to the melody then and, and, and dance to it. but yeah i find that quite difficult to dance to that song well my best tip for everybody and i say this right across the board is as a lead, the minute that you forget what moves you're doing and just simply listen to the music and let the music tell you what to do, that's when you become a good dancer. Ah, oh, wow, one day. So that is <laughs> already a good dancer. It's, um, but yeah, I, I wasn't fishing. I wasn't fishing. <laughs> I and as you know, when you've been in lessons with me, I, I will never say anything, you know, that I don't believe in. Um, you know, if somebody isn't doing it great, then I, I won't 
say they are doing it great because otherwise that takes all credibility away from anything that I would ever say. Yeah. Um, people, yeah. as a teacher, you're put into a very trusted position that people are going to yes. listen to what you're saying, take it yes. on board and try and implement it. So it's a very responsible yes. position. And, and there are there are different ways of saying it as well, isn't there? You can be still positive while you're saying you're not quite doing that right. If you try doing it this way instead, you yeah. might find it's a little bit smoother or a little bit better or a little bit more comfortable. And so there's there's sort of nicer ways of saying things rather than that was crap. <laughs> As I said at the beginning of all the lessons that I do, you know, I'm always, time always goes by very quickly and I'm always very direct. Um, yes. But most people are still laughing whilst the lesson's oh, yeah, going yeah. on. So I must do it in a reasonably good way. Yes. Um, whatever way that yeah. is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing it well. I will try. We're on to the music section. Okay, <gasps> so I ask all my guests what their favourite track is to dance to, to listen to, and the most important one. Okay, so... We've got your favourite track to dance to to start with. Okay, so can you remember which one it is that you said? Uh, I think I said Thursdays by Jess Lynn. You did. Let's have a little yes. listen to it. For anyone, I want to laugh, I want to cry. Don't want these tears inside my eyes. Yeah. Don't want to wake up and feel insecure. There's Thursday by Jess Glynn. We can yes. never play too much of it. I know. I, I, I like a couple of hers. Um, there's a couple of songs from Jess Glynn, which I quite like to dance to. And that, that one especially as well. I like the, 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 um, the words to it as well. It's, uh, it's a good song. So, yeah, I do. Well, I always I try and get up quickly and dance to that one. I used that track yesterday um, in a lesson and saying that uh, it's an, I think it's an incredible track. Um, and if you listen to the words and the feeling of the words and regarding musicality, that's what actually what we were doing. And it, it isn't a kind of a cheeky, let's do that type of song. It is very much more a feeling and a lyrical and yes. you know, that type of song. So, uh, yes. so yeah, an amazing yeah, song. You, you can get some good light and shade in that. Even though it's quite a, still a quite a quick song, you can still get plenty of, there's plenty of um, light and shade and uh, yeah, musicality to that. Yeah, it's 112 beats per minute. Oh, right. It's oh. not that quick. No, no, no. I thought it was quicker. Yeah. So what would be your favourite song to listen to then? Uh, I Didn't I say uh, Light House? Well, you did say that. You also said Hold Me While You Wait. You oh, well, um, yes, that's right. Um, Louis Capaldi. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there's there's two Louis Capaldi songs. One of That's one of them. And there's another one as well. But I love Louis Capaldi at the moment. Um, I, he does some great, and I love dancing to it as well because we play it at a lot of silk, uh, silk events, and uh, yeah, I do like that one, but I like listening to it as well. Nice song. Let's have a little listen. Hold me while you wait. I wish that I was good enough. If only I could wake you up, my love, my love, yeah. my love, my love. Won't you? Hold me while you wait. Lewis yes. Capaldi. Yes. Bit of wishful thinking there, maybe. Oh. <laughs> when I'm listening to this. <laughs> Just give you a, I want to give you a cuddle over Zoom. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. And then the last one on this. So the track that's had the most impact or strongest memories for you. I <gasps> love this question, but I think it's possibly the most difficult question I ask. Yeah, I have been asked it quite a bit because I've done a, a lot of radio, local radio yeah, stations. Sure. They do a bit of, um, you know, desert island disc type yeah. things as well. And and while I go through, there's certain songs which I've um, I really like because I remember when I was working in Italy as a, a ski mechanic, 
there was a particular run down the mountain which had lots of jumps in it and I was going down on my alpine skis racing down with my Walkman my Sony Walkman and there was a track Van Halen jump and um, I used to listen to that put it on loud and then I would off from the top of the mountain I would just listen to the song while I was jumping uh, going down the mountain and that that was amazing and I loved it and I just kept going up and down up and down all day doing the same run for the same track and it was brilliant but um I think the one that really really I love listening to wherever I am and that's uh, Libby Sifri um what's it called again something um, inside so strong something inside so strong yeah oh that just makes uh, sends shivers down my my spine every time I hear it well, let's have a listen I know that I can make it Though you're doing me wrong so wrong You thought that my pride was gone There we go. There are three tracks. I love that one because when I started skiing at 13, I fell in love with the sport. Uh, it was all I ever thought about, talked about, dreamt about was skiing. And then I told all my friends and family that I wanted to go to the Winter Olympics. And they just laughed. And they said, oh, it's impossible. It can't be done. We don't even have any snow. Um, but the more that people told me that I couldn't do something, the more that inspired me to prove them wrong. And listening to that, you know, there's something inside so strong that makes me want to go out and just prove people wrong and and, and i just wanted to because i just loved my skiing and then my ski jumping um you know nothing was going to stop me and no matter how many people told me that i i can't do it it can't be done i thought it could and that that's that sort of holds it in that song which is really really nice i was going to ask you a question earlier about what your you know favorite personality trait was but i know what it is which is resilience and that determination and all of that inside of you so is there anything that you've got in the future that you feel that way about um no not yet but i i do get quite um you know uh i get quite excited whatever i get asked to do um because production companies come to me all the time and say, oh, we're, we're thinking of putting a, a show together about this, that and the other. Would you prepare to do this, that cliff diving or, or bungee jumping or, you know, going into the jungle for a month, uh, you know, with a, with a machete or whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, that sounds like cool. That sounds quite good. Um, and I, I go off and do it. So I've always been open to lots of different experiences um, and never afraid to try them. Um, and I've always been like that. And I think I always will be. So. While there's nothing at the moment, there will be when somebody comes to me and says, oh, we're just putting a show together about this, that and the other. Can you come and do this? And then I'll um, I'll attack it with vigour and, um, and and give it my all. And uh, that's what I like. But I like the flexibility so that I can do anything I want to do, which is why, you know, um, I like doing my building work because I can down tools at any moment and woof, go off to America or go off to Australia or, or go off to Europe to do this, that and the other, um, which is why uh, I've never got a full time job. Um, I've, I've li I like the flexibility to be able to go off and do these things. And, uh, and I'll always be like that. I think you're a little bit past working for minimum wage, £9.50 an hour um, <laughs> yes. at Tesco supermarket. I'm not quite sure that's going to cut the mustard for you anymore. Well, in another 20 years, maybe. <laughs> I'll quite enjoy it. There are the tills uh, going, oh, look what you've got today. <laughs> yeah. So where should I put these carrots? I know where you can put these carrots. <laughs> <laughs> There's the accent coming out for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had an accent, a proper West Country accent? 
Um, I did have, but, um, and it does come out when I'm sort of back home, uh, back here, and, and especially when I'm down in Bristol, because they're a little bit more uh, Bristolian, uh, Bristolian down there. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I don't think I do. Um, but it does come out every once in a while, especially when I'm with my brother and my sister, then it does come out a little bit. Uh, if I'm with people with uh, with a really strong sort of, uh, you know, West Country accent, then, then it does come out. But generally, I don't think I do. No, it's um, you have a very English accent. Ah. Um, yeah, people often ask me where I come from, and I always go back to a uh, a story in the RAF, which was uh, an officer was giving us a a briefing, and he said, "Try and figure out where I come from." And and um, you know, people asked, said Oxford or wherever it may be, and and then he went into his real accent. He was a Geordie, um, and he had a full Geordie accent. But at this point, this is in the late 90s, it was still the scenario that officers had to have an English accent. Um, wow. He had to hide his Geordie accent um, as okay. being an officer, uh, which I found, you know, fine flabbergasting. It was that, you know, not that long ago, but it was still kind of frowned yeah. upon to have an accent. Like the BBC, it's fed only in the last couple of years, they've really allowed other accents on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when I listen to BBC plays, you know, we, in fact, there's a lot more plays from Scottish accents and Welsh accents and all that kind of, hardly any English accents. Um, but uh, yeah, I've noticed a, a lot more accents in future uh, in, on the BBC now. But, um, but and then I've met people in America who've lived there for, you know, 30 years, but they've still got a really strong Scottish accent because yeah. that's where they were born and raised. Yeah. Um, and they've never lost it. And then other people, yeah, you know, have, have completely changed, uh, you know, they, their, their accent's completely gone or they can bring it out when they want to, but uh, generally you wouldn't, wouldn't recognise them. But, and others have still got that accent, even though they've left the country, you know, decades ago. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't even know until, so I, I did a radio show um, when I was in my late teens, I worked on hospital radio for about three years and I used to listen back to the recordings and uh, I didn't know until I think I was about 20 uh, that there was the difference pe between the th sound and the f sound. Um, I didn't even know that that was the difference. So I grew up in Portsmouth. It's a very East End London accent. Um, yeah. And earlier, actually, when we were, t when we were talking and uh, we mentioned about milk, um, I used to say milk, M-I-W-K. Um, and I still now have to consciously force myself to say the word milk because um, it's not <laughs> part of my normal repertoire um, so yeah because I've, I now speak for a living and have done for a long time I've had to work on how I speak clearly and yeah. not too quickly and all of those types of things yes. um, but yeah my original accent is very East London um, oh. and when I go home likewise I yeah. come back into it yeah I would never have never have realized you're from East London at all well I'm not from East London I'm from Portsmouth no. But that's no, the accent. But that you, accent, yeah. That accent, yeah. No, yeah. It's, um, I have a, a Middle England accent really now. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah but, uh, oh, cool. Yeah, a, a lot of people. A lot of people think I'm from up north uh, for some reason. I don't know why, um, but they they seem to think that I'm from sort of Yorkshire or or, or Lancashire area. But yeah. um, I thought, where'd you get that from? I was born and raised in Cheltenham, in Narm, Cheltenham, Cheltenham, Cheltenham. Um, uh, right, but, we're uh, on to the yeah. quick fire round. <gasps> I know. So these are, again, these may be questions you've been asked a 10,000 times, but we'll find yes. out. So yes. favorite ice cream? Vanilla. Vanilla. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, do you like a bit of a ripple? Do you like a bit of raspberry ripple every once in a while? Yeah. But I love vanilla. You know, maybe that's, yeah. A really good vanilla ice cream is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It goes with everything, especially a rhubarb crumble. Oof. The only thing I don't like is Neapolitan ice cream. 
they're, they're all really cheap ice creams and yeah. none of them go well no no and and i don't see the point of chocolate ice cream uh it's a bit like chocolate cake you know i'll eat chocolate cake but i think chocolate is should be eaten in a bar not in a cake um and it's the same with chocolate ice cream you know no no you can't put chocolate in ice cream vanilla is lush fair enough are you clean well or messy are you clean or messy? oh oh in my head i'm clean in reality i'm messy i've seen very your car. Messy. i've seen your car <laughs> was it clean at the time no oh <laughs> uh, yeah but I, my car is my office so i carry everything in my in, you know i've got my my socks that i go in case i go ice skating i've got uh, you know stuff i've got papers in there in case i get to a job early and i can read and, and things like that so yeah it, it, there was a reason why my car is messy <laughs> I, used to, uh, I used to be in sales and one of the key things is your let your passenger seat is your office isn't it to a large yeah. degree yeah. and uh and yeah mine used to be a complete and utter tip and then i had one occasion where i got to a, uh, a site that i was going on and uh and the chap said oh it's it's about half a mile it was a massive site about half a mile can i jump in your car with you and I looked across the passenger seat and thought oh no I from that moment yeah. on my car was spotless um, <laughs> yes yeah i try and keep the passenger side spotless but uh, after a few days you know I go to greg's i have a cup of coffee then the, the cup goes in the footwell for it when i once i've got about eight cups then i'll take them out and bring them in the house and things like that but uh, but yeah i do like uh, when i'm when i'm staying in a hotel uh, if i'm going out around doing a tv show or doing a, a, a talk um, then I keep the hotel room spotless. In fact, when the maids come in, they don't even realize that I'm actually, you know, using the room okay. because everything is just spotless. My clothes are all neatly there and folded and everything. So when I'm in a hotel, I keep everything. I don't like walking to a hotel room and it's all messy and sheets yeah. everywhere and clothes everywhere. But I don't mind living in it at home. But when I'm away, everything has to, everything has its place. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> love or hate roller coasters? Love roller coasters. I've opened a few in my lifetime uh, around the world. Uh, I've opened a, I've opened about six. I've opened a couple in um, Blackpool Pleasure Beach, Alton Towers. Which one are Alton um, Towers then? Which one are Alton Towers? I love Alton Towers. The, oh God, what was it called? The Avalanche? Uh, obli there's Oblivion or, oh, is it a ski no, one type thing? No, yeah, it's a ski related one. Okay. And it, it, this is going back 33 years ago. So I don't even know if they still got it. Um, that, oh, the avalanche was in the, the avalanche was in Blackpool Pleasure Beach because okay. it's a bit like a bobsleigh track. So I opened that one. I can't remember the one that was in the, in Alton Towers because we opened it at eight o'clock in the morning. Then I had to get into a helicopter and they flew me down to London to Hyde Park because I was opening a, a sports centre or a sports shop in Oxford Street. But I can't remember the name of the fun ride that I opened in Alton Towers. It'll come to me, or I'll find it on my uh, my list of stuff. But we will find it. But out. I love, I do love uh, roller coasters, and I opened them in Sweden, Germany, uh, Australia uh, as well. So I've opened about six around the around the world. Do you know when I've asked that question to everybody else, none of them have had the answer. I've opened a few. It's all good. So excluding social media, and I know you're not a fan of social media anyway. Okay, but what is the phone app that you use the most? games or screwfix 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 and then greg's well actually greg's probably and then screwfix yeah so for those that don't know you you visit greg's how many times a week let's go for a week to start well with. i i go about three times a day three times a day 
where he turns out I go for breakfast every morning for breakfast. I go to Greg's for my um, sausage in a bun with brown sauce and a cup of coffee. And then at lunchtime, I'll have a vegan sausage roll and a cup of coffee. And then sometimes I'll go about four o'clock in the afternoon for an extra cup of coffee. So, yeah, three, at least three times a day. Uh, but if I'm traveling, if I've got to go up to Blackpool or whatever, then I'll um, I'll only stop at the services where there's a Greg's. And then I could be in the Greg's probably four or five times in a day. So between three and five times a day, I go to Greg's. And have Greg's ever contacted you for advertising purposes? Not yet, but I'm waiting for that platinum card. Are you? I'm waiting for that. But but their, their profits will nosedive if they give me a platinum card, because then you get free Greg's for life. Do you? And I thought, well, are they going to give up like, you know, 1500? I, I spend about £1,200 a year in Greg's. And I'm thinking, will they want to give up that, you know, just to give me a card? I thought maybe that they probably want the profits. So I don't know. I think... <laughs> You know, you would definitely be somebody who would be passionate about in the advert. Um, yes. And yeah. definitely, a, you know, a high user. Um, I am a very high user. Yes, I am a very high user. Do you your tax records, Greg's? Well, I do. I, I actually do. Yeah, I speak to my accountant and I say, because that is my, you know, if I'm staying in a hotel to do a, a job, then instead of, you know, each spending, because I, I stayed at the um, a hotel, a five-star hotel when I was doing um, the mass Dancer. Yeah. And, I, I had a club sandwich in the hotel and that was 85 quid. And I thought, how many Greg's can I have for 85 quid? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I love Greg's. It's great value for money. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out 85 pounds for a sandwich. Yeah, uh, it was a club sandwich and it was um, uh, a blackberry crumble and ice cream. Um, and that was my meal because because we, we didn't finish until quite late. And they said, oh, go back to the hotel and order room service. And I normally don't order room service. I'll normally just go around to Tesco's Express or Sainsbury's Express and um, get a sandwich. Um, but I thought, well, this time I'll, I'll treat myself. And then when I had it and I saw the bill the next morning, 85 quid, it was going to the production company anyway. But I, yeah. I, I was I was embarrassed and I was I thought, oh, my God, you know, because I wouldn't pay that myself. I thought no. I would I wouldn't want a production company to pay that for me anyway. Uh, as well, you know, 85 quid for a club sandwich and a, and a you know, a crumble and ice cream. It was just, oh, but you know, amazing. I think that's what people, I think that's what people love about you. Because I know you go around and do loads of Q&As and all of, lots of different interviews and stuff. And motivational speaker and all of those. And, you know, they, they see that you are a normal person. And hmm. that you wouldn't think, you know, 85 pounds for a club sandwich is reasonable. Because that's not <laughs> reasonable. There's no, no loaf of bread. Yeah that it yeah. costs that no. amount of money. No, no, no. And, and when I was doing the mass dancer, they kept ordering taxes for me. Oh, we've got your train to Paddington and then a, then a car to take you to, to um, Pinewood or Pineapple Studios. I said, no, it's, it's only at Covent Garden. I can walk. So I was cancelling all these cars that they were booking for me because I wanted to walk from Paddington. It was only like a mile and a half. Um, and it's a good way for me to warm up. And I love walking through London or if I'm in Birmingham, I love walking around. I, I like, I don't want to get in a taxi. I like to walk around and, uh, and stuff. So, yeah. So I'm always telling the companies, no, don't book a taxi, just an earlier train and I'll walk to wherever I need to go. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite cheap like that for them. So uh... you are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different question altogether. Coffee or tea? <laughs> coffee or tea oh now first thing in the morning i do like a cup of tea but generally i'll drink coffee okay yeah so i like both but um i think uh, coffee's just got it at the moment coffee's got it at the moment now i know you mentioned earlier you don't watch that much tv but no. have you got a favorite tv program apart from ski sunday of course i like first dates okay Oh, yeah, I love what? First Dates. You and Zoe can have an evening together if you want. Yeah, and First Dates Hotel. Well, they've asked me to do the show a couple of times. Right. 
but I've always refused uh, so far. But whether I'll refuse again, I don't know, because it was it was for charity and it would have been five grand for charity, which would have been nice. And I thought, well, I might I might you know meet somebody out of it. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but I do love the show. And one of these days, if they ask me, I think, well, yeah, why not? I'll do it and see what happens. Uh, they've asked me to do first dates and first dates hotel, but I've refused yeah. uh, both of them so far. But uh, one of these days, I will do it. But yeah, they're my favourite shows. Um, and then after that, it's things like Grand Designs. I like Grand Designs because of the building side. Um, I'm always into that kind of thing as well. So, yeah, nice. As I say, Zoe loves all of those, you know, what's it, say yes to the dress. Um, when I look on uh, our, our BT box and it's got like 12% free, and I'm like, why have we got 12% <laughs> free? And then you look at the recordings and there's 142 recordings of say yes to the dress. Ah, uh, and then First Dates Hotel has got about 40 recordings as well. Yes. Uh, yes. When is she actually ever going to watch these? Yeah. And I can never work it out. Uh, sometimes it's obvious. Oh, yeah. He's into her or she's into him or whatever. But most of the time, I cannot work it out at all. You know, and they don't look as if they're enjoying the day. And then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll go on a second date. I thought, yeah. my God, you look like, you know, you had a face like a slapped ass. And yet you're saying, yes, I'll go on a second date. I, I have no idea. I cannot read women at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read anyone, <laughs> let alone women. <laughs> and here's the last question for you then, our quick fire part. If you came back in your next life as an animal, which one would it be and why? Oh, I think I'd come back as a cat. Oh, it's a popular answer, a cat. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I like cats because they're, you know, they're independent. You know, they'll let you stroke them if they want you to, if they don't. You know, you'll get scratched or they'll walk away. Um, they they very mi minimal maintenance. You know, they you know I can go away for a week and the cat will be fine. If I had a dog, oh my god, it would be a nightmare trying to find somebody to look after the dog. Whereas a cat, yeah, it's fine. It will go and find somewhere to eat and sleep. It's fine. Um, so for your lifestyle, so, it's definitely a because uh, you're obviously not always at home. That's right. And I, so I think it's sort of based on my sort of the way I am now. I think in my next life, yes, I think a cat would be would be the would, would be just like me now, really. Um, so. So, yeah, I think I would come back as a cat. As long as it's. Yeah. 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 I think a nice fluffy answer, cat. I think the worst answer anyone could give would be a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had a very strange scenario last night in our bedroom. Yeah. You know I want to come back as a wasp. You know when you're laying there and you hear that <laughs> like that, and you're like, oh no. And uh, we turned the lights on and we got up and I'll, I'll admit it, the mosquitoes didn't survive this experience. Sadly. No. Okay, but we, we were there with tissues. Trying, There was two of them in the end. And we were there with tissues trying to catch these mosquitoes. And you know what? They They were slippery. Yeah. They just every time you put the tissue towards them, they just go and fly yeah. away somewhere else. Oh uh, yes. Oh uh, uh, yes. It's like the um, you know, kung fu kid, is it? With the yeah. um... <laughs> That's it. Karate kid catching the fly with this. Yes. That was a that was a horrible experience, but there we go. Yeah, yeah right, I can't think are... of anybody uh, wanting to come back as a mosquito. Oh. Yeah. No, I, a wasp, I'm still maybe. waiting for that. A wasp, yeah. mosquito. A wasp, anything. yeah. There's a few people I'd like to sting, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, we're not going down that route today. This has been a fun yeah. interview. Yeah. <laughs> not one of those. Well, Mike, it genuinely has been an absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm so delighted I've managed to ask you a question that uh, you've never been asked before after all your thousands of interviews. Yeah. Didn't think it was going to be related to... I didn't think it was going to be possible. 
but, uh, <laughs> but I have done it. So my, my life is complete now. Oh, um, well, I'm glad I could uh, assist. You have done very much so. So, uh, Mike Edwards, you've, this has been your life off the stage. Thank you very much. Thank you.